Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatria, joined today by my good buddy Santino Cocone for this nice Saturday, April 18th, nice little mid-morning podcast that we're going to be doing for you guys. Santino, how are you doing today? How are you doing uh, bright and early? Uh, I guess this is probably bright and early for you, 1 o'clock. You're usually a late sleeper, right? Um, no, not not too late, usually. But, um, yeah, it's not going great today. It's pretty snowy outside. It's freezing. Uh, it snowed randomly. I don't know if it snowed down there, but it was hailing all night. I'm just one of those days. I mean, we're not going out anyway, so it doesn't matter, but it's a little chilly. You know what? It kind of does matter to me because, like, I, I this Saturday day, I work Monday through Friday um, from home doing a day job. But on the Saturday, it's my day where I like to kind of go for a nice walk or a hike or maybe something like that where I can just kind of go outside and grill. Uh, big grill, guys. Santino, you know that. But something. And then when you, uh, you know, we didn't get snow down here. So me and Santino, we're about an hour away from each other in Connecticut. So we didn't get snow down here. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, pretty dark and wet outside. So definitely not going to be going out there uh, grilling out today. But we got some uh, some teams to break down, Santino. So, I mean, yep. I think last time we were on, I think we did a pretty nice job. And we're here. We get to talk about one of your favorite teams. I know you're really excited for this. So, uh, Santino is going to be breaking down the Chicago Cubs for you. I'll be talking on, touching on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, so, two teams in the same division could be, uh, you know, lobbying for, uh, you know, that first spot in the in the NFL, NL Central, excuse me, um, you know couple other teams i know that you're pretty interested in in this is this by could we say this is your favorite division this year um yeah it's it's one of them at the very least i think there's four teams in this division that have a shot to win i don't know if they'll all have 100 wins i don't think they're going to be competing that high at a level but i think four at least four teams are going to be in the 80 win category i would put the pirates in there too but i mean they just lost their ace their ace isn't going to pitch this year in Jameson Tyone. Uh, they just traded Marte. In the last two years, they traded Cole, uh, your your boy, um, and um, what's it called? And in McCutcheon. Oh, Gla- Glass now? Yeah, is that who you're, yeah, yeah your boy Glass now and uh, Austin Meadows and McCutcheon. So they're, they're clearly in a rebuild. So they're the only ones that I don't think are going to compete for this division title this year. But the Reds are up and coming. They got three really good pitchers to start that rotation out. They got a really good closer in Iglesias and a new rock solid lineup um, led by 49 home runs last year from Eugenio Suarez. And then you got uh, the the division winners last year in the Cardinals. Two years ago, the Brewers won the division. A couple of years ago, the Cubs won the World Series. So it's, it's going to be a really good division. There's a lot of interesting storylines and uh, I'll hit, well, we'll hit one later when we talk about the Cubs, but they're pretty much if things stay as the same as as is right now, it's going to be a very fun division. But if some things change, it, it might dwindle down to two to three teams. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a very fantasy friendly division. I know that we've probably touched on a few guys that we like from uh, you know I, I, I talked about a few pitchers over there on the Pirates, uh, being Musgrove, pretty high. On, I think you're you're equally high on Musgrove, and then I also I'm pretty high on Mitch Keller as well. Uh, as guys that, you know, taking a nice step forward this season. I know you're pretty high on uh, Sonny Gray and the rotation that the Reds have built. I'm a big Luis yep. Castillo guy. And then Trevor the Cubs Bauer. are just the Cubs. It, Trevor, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still leaving the door open on Trevor Bauer. Um, I'm not saying he's bad. I think there's a lot of upside. There's definitely room for him to capture that. I think it was his 2018 season again. But uh, 
you know, I think at this point I, I, I need to be proved. I, he needs to show it a little bit more. It's been more bad seasons than, than good. But the strikeouts are always going to be there. He's still got the great stuff. It's just sometimes when he gets rocked, he gets rocked. Yeah. But uh, for a number two starter or possibly number three, if Sonny Gray continues to improve that he as he did when he went to the Reds last year, uh, I mean, that's a really good option for your one, two, three. So that's why I'm I'm really high on the Reds this year. I'm really I'm just in general, I'm high on the division. Like I said, I think there's going to be four teams that could have 80 plus wins. And I don't know if I can say that about any other division. Maybe the AL West, uh, if, if the Rangers improve, because the, there's the Angels, Rangers, Astros, Athletics. That's the only other division. And maybe the NL East. But uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, those are probably the three best divisions in terms of competitiveness absolutely and you you touched on you know the the reds and their great number two pitcher uh also very great number three pitcher as well and we'll let that transition us right into the brewers because <laughs> uh that's one thing that when i you know i was looking over i was looking up up and down last year this year kind of things have changed and they're you know this is started off we were talking before we got on the air uh they might have had some of them you know be the team with the most offseason moves uh, just in addition to trades and signings, uh, a lot of bodies in, a lot of bodies out. The guys that they lost, uh, I'll just run through them real quick. Yasmani Grandal uh, went over to the White Sox, Mustakas to Division Reds, uh, Thames over to Washington, Shaw's in Toronto, Hernan Perez to the Cubs, Jordan Lyles is pitching for the Rangers, Gio Gonzalez over on the White Sox as well, Jeffries to the Cubs, Jimmy Nelson to the Dodgers, uh, and Junior Guerrero gone as well. Uh, and then, you know, the guys that they happen to bring in, you know, not not the best names, but uh, a couple decent guys. Bobby Sal Garcia, uh, probably their biggest free agent signing. He's on a two year, 20 million dollar deal. So he kind of got paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Smoke, uh, Brock Hole, Eric Sogard, Omar Navarez was in a trade. Um, we like the we were just talking before on air. Uh, Zach Davies, decent, decent haul when you think about what they got for Zach Davies would have been probably their number two if they still had him. Uh, but they're able to bring back Urias and Eric Lauer. So they get a nice, decent prospect who can fill that middle infield spot. Because let's be frank, uh, the Brewers have been starving for a shortstop. I mean, the way that Orlando Arcio has kind of panned out hasn't been exactly what they expected from no. one of their top prospects. Uh, so, you know, putting him on the hot seat, I think, is kind of what they're doing. And you can see yeah. that by a lot of the guys that they brought in. You know, we talked about uh, Brock Holt, but they also bring in Jed Jericho, Ryan Ely, uh, Sogard, Narias. It's a lot of infielders. Um, that's basically saying get with it or get lost. There's a lot of guys here that could take that spot, and they're all very, very good utility players. None of those guys can only play one position. I think they can pretty much be scattered across the infield and outfield for all of them. Um, yeah. And then as far as pitching, I'm sorry, to, I'm just going to get right through this. Josh Lindblom and Brett Anderson uh, were the main arms that they look to bring in. So. I'll let you touch on it. Uh, any of those guys stand out? I know you're pretty high on smoke, so why don't you touch on why you think smoke's going to you know, benefit from the new scenery? Uh, yeah, there's actually quite a few guys. Uh, you mentioned Arcia before I touched on the smoke. He was a top 10 prospect uh, in, in every prospect ranking out there before he came up. Uh, he was pr- high regarded as a great defender. He is a good defender, and he had a pretty good hit tool. It just hasn't panned out for him. He can he barely hits 230. Um, he, he doesn't get on base much. He strikes out a lot. Very empty at bats with him. And yeah, they brought in Urias and they brought in Holt and Giorco, other people that can play shortstop. And he's gonna have to improve if he wants to keep that lineup or that spot. You mentioned Eric Sogard. They right now he's projected to 
bat leadoff. I can't see that every day, but they have so many people in there that can play third base or other positions mix and match that I don't think he's going to be batting leadoff every day. Um, you said Justin Smoke. I'm a, I'm a fan of Justin Smoke. He's 36 years old now, though, so he's not going to see every day at bats. Ryan Braun's going to be platooning with him when there's a left-hander on the mound. But Smoke can he can hit 30 home runs if he if he gets enough at bats. But that's also um, a big factor of why I like him is in this is in this ballpark, and he's going to get the pitches. If there's if they're pl- going to Arizona in a, a singular location, I'm not going to be as high on him because it it just ruins the ballpark factor. But um, he's going to be batting mainly fifth when he's in the lineup behind Hiera and behind Yellick. And um, I know you're going to get into this, but I don't like the lineup protection at all besides Yellick. He's the only guy I can completely count on. And that means that Hiera is going to get a lot of pitches to hit. Smoke's going to get a lot of pitches to hit. And when you're getting those pitches, if he capitalizes, he's going to bring in a lot of RBIs. Um, Alviseo Garcia is another guy I really like that they brought in. He's been injured a lot throughout his career. He's never gotten the time. Uh, every time he's built up momentum and started a hot streak, it seems like it, it fades away quickly because he gets hurt and these little minor injuries that take a long time to recover. Uh, I would love for him to stay healthy this year and in this park. He's another guy who's probably going to bat fifth or sixth in the lineup and get a ton of pitches. Like I mentioned, why Smoke's going to get pitches and other people's going to get pitches. And uh, if he can stay healthy, he's going to capitalize in this lineup. So I, I do like a couple people they brought in, but they got rid of a lot and it's it, it's difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the guys that they lost, they lost most of their power. Yeah. Um, you know, they with between Thames, uh, Shaw, when he's actually hitting, uh, he goes on those stretches where sometimes he's just <laughs> missing. Uh, Moustakis and Grandal, that's that's most of their power outside of Yelich. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be tough to replace that. Uh, you know, Smoke, I'm expecting a nice little bounce back year for him. You know, looking at his numbers and just talking about, you know, his OBP is one thing I'm, I'm taking a look at. And for the past three seasons, you know, I'm comparing it to his 2017 season. That was easily and by far the best season of his career with 38 home runs that year. Uh, they're all the, the OBP is still fine. He still he still has a good eye at the plate, uh, you know, 355 in that 38 home run season. And we're talking about his down year last year. It was still 342. And that was with him only batting 208. Uh, rather than, you know, 270 like he was in that big in that big year. So uh, I think, you know, just the park is definitely going to be a benefit. I think, uh, you know, getting probably a little bit more regular at bats. I mean, like you said, he's going to be platooning a lot. Um, but I think that there's going to be days where the outfielder, someone in the outfield might need a day off and Braun might find himself out there. And now Smoke's still playing first. So, like I said, there's a lot of different ways that they can mix and match with their lineups. But uh, I'm all for kind of, you know, Smoke as having a nice little a nice little bounce back. And we're, we're talking DFS. Uh, he's going to be a cheap first base option. I mean, he's probably if you're, if you're talking about you know first base and like season long leagues, what would you say, Santino? Maybe like the probably like the 22nd or 24th first baseman off the board or something like that. So I can't imagine yeah. him coming in with a high price tag. Probably, yeah, he's probably going to go really late in drafts uh, for a guy in the fifth fifth sixth spot in the order that's going to be batting um, in a pretty good ballpark if they play in the ballpark. Yeah, he's 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 pretty good late round pick. That's why I liked him. Um, and like I mentioned, if I'm if I'm pitching against the Brewers, you just broke down all their people, uh, most of their people. I'm not pitching to Christian Yellick. Uh, since he came over to the Brewers, he's been unbelievable. MVP the first year. Last year he was on MVP trajectory before he got hurt. And that's when the team really crumbled. They were in first place, and then Yellick went down, and then they weren't in first place anymore, and they didn't make the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, if, if I'm going – if I'm a pitcher and I'm going against the – this lineup or if I'm a manager I'm saying 
throw, don't throw Yellick anything he could hit. Make every single other person on this lineup beat me. Give them all their pitches and see if they can win. And that's the only reason. That's the reason why I like uh, their their four, five, six hitters because they are going to get these pitches. Even Lorenzo Cain had a really bad year last year. Uh, he's 34 years old now. I hope it's not a sign of things to come. But he's going to get pitches to hit too because people are going to avoid Christian Yellick. You see that lineup and you say, okay. Only one person is a guaranteed guy who can beat me. Let's see if anyone else could do it. It's a great point. Um, the, the lineup is, you know, just looking at last year's OPS is the three leaders on their OPS was obviously Christian Yellick. I think he's touched on great year, 1100 OPS. Uh, and then you're talking about the next highest being their rookie, Keston Hira, who we, we do think is going to be very good. Um, but, you know, he came in there, you know, 938 is not a slouch for an OPS. It's a no. fantastic OPS. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough to make your the guy in his second year of a season bat and clean up to be that guy to make him the most reliable one of the most reliable hitters in your lineup and then outside of that it's Braun coming in after that basically at 849 so um not a lot of protection not a good lineup it's really going to impact I think like you said Yelich for season long leagues uh and it's also going to impact his RBI total I think too I think that's one thing that I'm expecting to drop down a lot this season, and you touched on it. There's nobody good in front of him. All the protections behind him. Uh, the guys on in front of him simply struggle to get on base. Uh, Sogard's eye is pretty good. So, I mean, if he is leading off, I, I expect him to be able to draw a couple walks and stuff like that. But um, there's not much more outside of that than in this lineup that I'm really looking at. And we'll use that to kind of transition, I guess, right over uh, into pitching. So when we touched on it, we talked about the Ray or the Reds, and yeah, the Brewers do not have a good rotation. It's bottom line. You know, their ace is Brandon Woodruff, who's coming off of career year, excellent year. Um, I like Woodruff Santino. I think you do too. Uh, this, I think he's got maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but in the few years, he's he's got the potential to be like a top 12 pitcher in the league. Uh, he's got four pitches. He's got a great fastball. He's got really solid control, uh, and he's he seems like he's going to be a strikeout machine as well. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, the next, we're, you know, <laughs> we're pretty much looking at uh, Adrian Hauser as their number two. And, and me and you, I think we were touching on this the other day. Uh, not not a bad guy, not a guy that we wanted yeah. enough to. I mean, he, he's he got I think he's got plenty of upside. I'm really high on him in season long leagues. It's like, a you know, late round flyer kind of pitcher. Uh, but he's a guy that I think might have that number two or three potential two years out. I mean, yeah. he pitched he pitched about 111 innings last season. Uh, with a 3.72 ERA, 1.24 WHIP, uh, more than a strikeout per inning though. In 111 innings, he had 117 strikeouts to 37 walks, so decent command. Could be a little bit better. I mean, that's one thing if you're expecting this guy to kind of take a step forward, uh, you'd probably assume that the command's gonna get a little bit better, uh, and then obviously the WHIP and ERA would would uh, you know take a little notch down mm-hmm. as well. So I'm I'm kind of expecting a step forward. I'm not expecting, you know, obviously the, the shortened season, we don't have to worry about an innings limit or anything like that because he's only pitched about 119 in his career in the MLB so far. So I could see him being a factor for 140, 150 innings. Uh, but, you know, out, outside of that, man, it, it, it's it's slim pickings. They bring over Brett Anderson. They pay for him. Uh, he is recovering from injury, though, and he really only had one rehab start so far. <laughs> so I did, I know you I know you love the Brett Anderson injury, Santino, you know, but, uh, you know, probably not going to be starting right away in the rotation. They might want to get a few starts, a few little games out of him in the minors first just to get him up to speed. Uh, in that case, you'd probably see uh, Corbin Burns take that 
uh, rotation spot. And then you're also looking at uh, Josh Lindblom, another guy that they brought in. Uh, he's not, you know, a young guy by any means. He's 30. I think he's 33 years old. He believe he came over. He was playing in the Korean League and he yeah. did well over there. So he did very well over there. He had a great strikeout rate. Uh, great, great spin on on, the, on his pitches. But uh, I don't really know what to expect from him. I'm not expecting much. I mean, this is a guy that I believe he was drafted in 2005. So, you know, it took a while to, to even kind of put something together. And when, then when he did put it together, it was in a different league overseas. So I, I don't know how that really transitions over here. And then they, the trade for Eric Lauer uh, involving Zach Davies. But so not not the strongest. So we were we were touching on, it and I kind of I'm kind of expecting the Brewers uh, to rely on their bullpen heavily this season. I mean, they do have one of the best bullpens, easily probably one of the best relievers in baseball, and Josh Hader, uh, just a guy that you can use a light out lights out closer, but they like to use him in that long relief role where you can get about two innings, two and a half innings out of him. Uh, and then Corey Knebel coming back uh, from just Tommy John surgery should should be ready to go, uh, given when the season starts, whenever that may be. And then we got these other guys. So, you know, Freddie Peralta, we touched on Corbin Burns, uh, Shelby Miller, I believe, is still over there as well. So they have these other guys that they could do these four or five inning, uh, you know, get four or five innings out of and then go to their, you know, Josh Hader for two, then set up man and then bring Knable. So I kind of expect that to be their approach in pitching. I don't think they're expecting much out of all these guys. Freddie Peralta, he's pretty much a two pitch pitcher and he's always struggled to get through the lineup uh, more than two or three times. So I think that's the perfect thing, and that's a perfect example of what we might see is these guys like Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, these guys that struggle to get through a line three times. Uh, Corbin Burns has great stuff, but uh, I think there is no pitcher that got shelled harder than him last year, Santino. Yeah, um, this you've pretty you've pretty much touched upon the rotation. It's very deserted, uh, the, for the lack of a better word. That's that best I could say about it. There's really not much. It, Brandon Woodruff is really good. Uh, he had a really good year last year. He was injured before that, um, but he was a high prospect for a few years, and then injuries played in factor. But last year he came on strong, and he finished strong. Uh, besides that, Adrian Hauser, you touched upon him. I don't think he's a bad guy, but if you're counting on him as your number two starter, that's trouble. He's better off. If he's your four or five, you're in really good shape. Three, you're kind of teetering the line. But two, your number two starter, good luck. Uh, Brett, Brett Anderson, you talked about him. The guy is pretty effective when he's pitching, but when is in quotations, underlined, bold, italic, this dude's hurt literally every year, except for last year. He he actually pitched 170 innings, made 31 starts. That's the only the second time in his career he's made over even 20 starts. I think he hasn't made over 18 starts um, besides two years, and he's in, in with in his uh, like 10 years of the in the league. So he's just always injured. He's not a guy I can count on. And especially in DFS, cause you don't know if he's going to come out after two innings with a, another arm injury. Cause it, it's just piled up over his career. Um, who else do we, Oh, Josh Lindblom. He was been in the KBO the last five years. You don't really know what to expect of him. I don't know much about him, but uh, the last two people that came over from like that were Merrill Kelly, I think in, from Japan though. And, uh, Miles McCullis. Could he be Miles McCullis? How, how he came over the first year and he, he, Tore it up. <laughs> or is he going to be more of Merrill Kelly, who was very inconsistent? Or is he just – we don't know. He's an unknown, but we'll see how it happens to him. But he's another guy I wouldn't really count on. Um, Eric Lauer, not a bad guy. He's pretty good for your fifth spot, but uh, I just don't 
you can't really count on him. I'm not going to touch him ever in DFS. Then you touched upon a couple other people. Shelby Miller is a guy who has had success in this league. I think if he's healthy, I think he's going to crack that rotation because there's really not much competition for him out there. Um, Freddie Peralta, you mentioned him. He's in the he should he's probably going to stick in the relief role, but they want to see him in, in in a starting role. Um, he's fighting for he was fighting for the fifth spot with Peralta, um, Burns, and other people out there before the whole hiatus happened so he might get another chance but he only has two pitches he's better off in, as a reliever but he does have really good those two pitches are really good yeah. so if, and, and they need starters so they might have to they might have to suck it up but he is better when you only have two pitches you you gotta you're better as a reliever and then your guy you just touched on um corbin burns i really like corbin burns this dude has some of the best strikeout stuff in the league i think his k per nine ratio was about was 13 last year or just under it that's insane because he strikes out i think he had about 70 strikeouts in 40 something innings which is awesome this dude strikes out everybody but with those strikeouts come a lot of uh walks and he's walked a lot of people i think he's he started the first four game his first four games last year were starts he had about eight of his 20 walks in those starts and you can't just walk people when you're a starter that that comes back to bite you and it comes back to bite you when you have trouble keeping the ball in the park. And this dude gave up so many home runs. It was sickening and not just so many home runs. He walked people, put people on base and then gave up home runs. So they're not just solo home runs there's two run home runs, three run home runs. Um, and he gave up 17 home runs in less than 50 innings last year. He gave up 11 of those home runs in those first four starts before they had to take him out. This dude, he needs to keep the ball in the park. He needs to not walk people and if you could do that and keep up that strikeout rate and those elite um, swinging strike pitches, he's going to be something. But, again, those are two big ifs and whats and buts. Yeah. I, I like Burns as well. Um, I like you, you touched on it. it. It's tremendous upside. It, there's also just packed with tons, tons of downside. I think, um, you know, a lot of those home runs, he's susceptible more to, more likely to him because you get behind in the count. Once you're behind in the count, you, you know, you're down 3-1, 3-0. Uh, guys looking his chops up there. He knows you got to put it over. So control is always going to be his issue. If he can figure that out, I think the sky is the limit for him. You touched on his K per nine rate. Uh, that's just off the charts. That's that's higher than, you know, some of the, the aces that we're used to drafting in the first round of a season long league. So, <laughs> um, I, hey, I, I would love to see him put it together. I think he'll have ample opportunity. And even if he can just, you know, be one of those guys that can get you through four or five innings. Like, I think that's all they need. I think they need four or five innings from guys like Peralta. They need four or five innings from guys like Burns. And then, uh, you know, they'll get a couple extra inning eater guys like Woodruff and Lauer. Uh, maybe Brett Anderson, once he actually does return and gets healthy. I don't think they'll I don't think they're going to force Hauser into too many games. I think he only had one or two games where he pitched more than uh, six innings last year. Most of them were like four and a half, five inning starts and just pitched very well in them. But, uh, you know, Take that approach, and then on the off days that they, you know, don't have one of those inning eater guys like Woodruff, Lauer, or Anderson in, they're going to rely on the bullpen a little bit more because it'd be foolish not to. This is why they brought Knable in. They didn't, they didn't necessarily want to use Hader as a closer. They'd rather have him as a middle reliever. He's a guy that they like. The, he, they know he when he was a prospect, he was their top pitching prospect. He was being stretched out as a starter. They didn't have room for him, believe it or not, uh, as a starter. So when they came up, they kept him in the bullpen, and he's been just lights out ever since then and made himself at home. So yeah, you, uh, you can't take him out of that bullpen. He's just he's no probably way. the best reliever in baseball, and he can oh. go two to three innings, like you mentioned. And the only re- like this, we, it's funny that we touched upon it. Um, their lineup's not that great. The pitching staff is pretty bad. 
but they have potential to win 80 games, and that's because of this awesome bullpen. And that's a huge factor in this game. The one thing that I would say about this bullpen and the league in general is the new ruling that you have to, if you're, if you come into the game as a pitcher, you got to get three outs uh, or face the minimum amount of batters. You can't just come in for one batter anymore or two batters. So that's going to be tricky for a team that relies on the bullpen. I don't know how that's going to play, but um, they, they have a lot of options back there. Like Jacob Faria, Alex Claudia, you you mentioned him, the evil Knievel. <laughs> I really like that name. <laughs> Brent Suter is not bad. Freddie Peralta should stay there, and he's a really good reliever with those two pitches. I mean, this this bullpen is stacked. Um, so hopefully, the new if the new um, ruling has huge changes, that might affect their potential. But this bullpen gives them a chance to win games. Yeah, I think I think what the uh, the Brewers kind of philosophy going into the 2020 season is just. You know, they went out there, they lost a lot of guys, they brought a lot of guys that play similar roles, all kind of around that same skill talent level with their pitching and a lot of the bats around the same kind of level as well. And they're just throwing it at the wall with stick sticks. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they have options and they're going to exhaust their options. I expect them to. So I wouldn't expect a long leash for a lot of these guys either, uh, you know, and <clears throat> with exception to a guy like Peralta who just signed an extension. Uh, but, you know, some of these other guys like maybe like Burns, uh, maybe like Lindblom, uh, you know. Shelby Miller, if he gets his crack at it, uh, I wouldn't expect long leashes just because there's three, four other guys at like the same exact talent level right behind him. Yeah. And Burns, actually, when they took him out of the rotation, he was really good. Uh, he, his, he stopped giving up so many home runs. The the walks dwindled down. I think he only gave up he gave up like four home runs in the next, the rest of the season or f- home runs in four games the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, he was really good in the bullpen. I hope it transitions to a starter because he's a guy that I really want to target as a late-round upside guy. And if he keeps giving up those home runs, you you just get rid of him. But um, if he can put it together, he has some potential, especially, even in DFS. Because I remember his first start last year, opening – or not opening day, but his first start of the season, he had 12 strikeouts. I think he struck out the first uh, six batters he faced, and it was just wow. But then uh, after that – Home wheels. Three, the, the wheels fell off in the third, fourth inning when home runs just piled up, the walks and then the home runs. But it just happens. I, I think, uh, I think you know, him in the reliever role is probably best for him. It seems like when he gives up home runs and when he struggles, it's usually right off the rip. It's right in the first inning. It's just going through that initial heart of the order, that one through five that he struggled with. But when he's on, he can get through anybody. It's just, you know, maybe bringing him in, bringing him in when he's going against, you know, six, seven, eight, and then you're following him up with a guy like Peralta or Hader, uh, might be the better approach. But let's hope he puts it together. So, mm-hmm. all right, man. Um, I mean, I guess we could touch on the uh, the contracts real fast. That's probably the last thing that we really need to talk about. Again, we'll just run right back through this. So, guys that we're really considering to be, you know, season long and DFS relevant, uh, you know, this season as far as their bats. Yelich, Hera, Smoke, uh, Garcia, Navarez, if you if you, if you know, need a catcher. Um, you know, Luis Urias, I wouldn't expect much from. And as far as the pitchers, yes, Woodruff, I think, is their ace. I would probably consider him top, you know, anywhere between 12 and 15 type potential. Uh, and then I think, you know, Hauser is going to have some relevancy uh, late in drafts, and that's probably all I'm going with. And then just everybody in their bullpen between Hader and Knable are the main guys you want. Uh, I'm not a big, you know, depending on the league, I guess, uh, you can look at those other middle relievers, but most leagues probably not. So well, one guy right- uh, I wanted to touch on, one guy that we actually talked about the other day, uh, and you brought it up, is Ryan Braun. 
he's old, he's old now, big name. He's going to be really cheap in DFS. He's going to start probably against most left-handers because he's always hit left-handers well. Justin Smoke is a lefty, uh, probably a little platoon there. But that guy's going to be – I can't imagine him unless they go by historic name value. He can't. I can't imagine him being more than twenty-two to twenty-four hundred dollars on a on a given DFS slate. And if the pitching matchup is right and everything looks good, he's probably going to slot into the the five or the six hole. And he's a really good option. I mean, you're not paying for the Ryan Braun of old anymore. You're paying for a Ryan Braun who's going to get his at bats in good spots and good situations, still see pitches, and he's productive when he does play. So he's a guy I would look at for a cheap value in in DFS leagues when he's out there. That's a great point. Yeah, we did touch on that. And it's, uh, you know, you're not paying for that name anymore. Everybody's pretty much over Ryan Braun just because he's not that MVP type caliber player who still has steroids. But um, (laughs) yeah, I I think you're getting him at a discount. Why not? I mean, it's not like a DFS when you're looking there. You know, he's starting. We'll have that lineup out. Um, So if he's starting and he's that cheap, he's definitely gonna be worth it. And you got to imagine him batting, uh, you know, somewhere in the heart of that, you know, five through seven. Uh, I would even imagine that he gets to seven. I would think five or six would probably be his spot. Yeah. And, if, and if Lorenzo Cain keeps playing the way that he's maybe even two, yeah, in, yeah, he could even he could probably even see his way up to two. I wouldn't be shocked there either. And if, so, and if he's batting in front of Yellick, you know he's going to see the pitches because you're not you're not going to pitch around Ryan Braun to get to Christian Yellick. So that's even a bigger plus if if that comes to fruition. Yeah, and it's not like Brian Braun is bad. <laughs> he's yeah. not a bad player. I mean, he's not the guy that he was. Um, but that's what happens with age stuff. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not a, he's, he's aged better than a lot of older, other older players. Uh, like Albert Pujols hasn't aged as gracefully, I would say as Ryan Braun has, but you're also not counting on Ryan Braun to play every day. The last couple of years, the angels needed, um, Pujols to play every day. And it, before I even move on, it's kind of like the same thing that, uh, Christian Yellick might go through this year. Mike Trout was pretty much one of the only guys on that team, on that lineup, he is an otherworldly player. No one, I haven't seen someone like Mike Trout since uh, steroid era. But Christian Yellick might have to face that too, getting a lot of pitches that he's not going to like and pitch around him because the rest of the lineup isn't that good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also going to be a, a major factor for the the Angels this season. That's why they really went out and chewed up their lineup. They said, uh, they you know, we, got this guy, <laughs> we got this guy forever. Uh, we gotta get something around him, and yep. now they might have one of the one of the better lineups in the MLB. Yeah, uh, really it's excited about time about the too. It's about time, dude. You can't have a guy this talented, once in a generational player, and just not give him anything to play with or anybody to help him out there. So it's about time. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll let that transition. We'll go right over to uh, you know right right across in the division to the Cubs. Uh, you finished in third last year, right behind the Brewers with the 84 and 78 record. Uh, but Santino, I know you are a Cubs guy. I'm not going to call you a Cubs fan um, because I think you're just a random fan when it comes to baseball. I don't. I mean, I, I think you grew up a Yankee fan, did you not? But then you kind of just like I, I like all the random player, players and teams. You mostly became like an Ichiro Suzuki fan. I think that's um, how. Ichiro is uh, one of my favorite players of all time. I think, you know, I named my animal after him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I like a lot of players, right? Chris Bryant's my favorite player right now to watch. I think everything he does is really good. Um, if Cubs fans are listening, you're probably going to question why I said that. But I question why you don't believe this guy's a top 12 player in the league. <laughs> but we'll, we'll start with that. Um, the Cubs are Chicago's team. 
I know there's there's the White Sox there. The White Sox look good, but if if you live in Chicago and you're not a Cubs fan, I I'm, I question why. Uh, I've been to Wrigley Field is actually my favorite ballpark I've ever been to. My uncle grew up in Chicago. He moved to Chicago and I went there a few times and I went to Wrigley. I sat in the bleachers. I sat um, on the third baseline. The bleachers are fantastic. If you're if you ever can get close to those vines, uh, I gotta tell you it's it's been the my favorite ballpark. I haven't seen them all all the ballparks, but out of the dozen or so that I've been to, it's easily my favorite. Um, and it, it was during the time that they were just bad, and everybody there was still <laughs> everybody there was still going crazy. Um, oh, getting a phone call. A phone so, call. That <laughs> you get, is that your is that your call up? Is that what that is? I know. I think uh, they're calling. Someone. I know, someone's... The, I, know, I know the NFL draft's also right around the corner. Uh, oh. So. Yeah, I was. I'm hoping to get drafted this year in the seventh round, or even uh, get a get a contract later to to go to training camp. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Um, I've been waiting for the last 12 years, but no one's called my number yet. <laughs> I submitted. I'm I'm with you. I submitted every single season just in case. You know, I think one of these times they're gonna they're gonna see it so many times it's gonna be like, are we supposed to be calling that guy? And guess yeah. what? It'll be the best decision they ever made. It's take like a $15 training camp invite if you want to put me on the practice squad for free. Like, let's do this. Well, we'll see. <laughs> well, with the wall only. That's what we do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, talking about the Cubs, the Cubs are the most interesting team in this division. Um, that's for on-the-field reasons and off-the-field reasons. Uh, everybody in this core, the main the main core, Schwarber, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, and even Contreras, but I'll put him a little different because his, his – Things a tiny bit different, but Schwarber, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, they're all pending potential free agents after uh, next season. So they, if we don't even have a season this year, because there is talk of that, these guys might all be free agents next year. That's going to play a huge factor in what this team does. Uh, Contreras, as I said, he's part of that, but he's a little different because he can be a free agent in 2023. So he has two more years or three more years, potentially, depending on how many years we get. But all offseason, it was a big topic of discussion on do the Cubs stand pat or do they try and trade one of these guys and get something before they walk it's pretty known I think uh, around that Chris Bryant is going to test free agency I don't think he's going to sign a contract before that and I don't blame him look what Bryce Harper cashed in on look what Manny Machado cashed in on etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, why would I not test the free agent market and get as much as I can get when I can get it and that's what he's going to do so that's a very interesting name to pop up on he might become a trade candidate this year if this team doesn't look like they're going to win the division or make the playoffs they got to think long and hard of do they want to let bryant potentially walk away for nothing or are they going to try and restock that farm system um another big storyline they just brought a new coach new yet old face and uh david ross who you last seen when he was walking off into the sunset after the cubs won the world series uh, he was part of this chicago cubs team a couple years ago he retired, but he knows most a lot of these players, the main core players, I should say, because there's only 10 players from that World Series team that are still on here. So he knows the big guys, and he's been best friends with John Lester since uh, they played in the Red Sox. He's been Lester's personal catcher for decades. Um, so that's he's a big guy. And with him there and no longer Joe Madden, it comes to are there going to be a lot of switches? Uh, Joe Madden was a guy who 
or is a guy still who plays people all around the diamond anywhere they can play he goes uh, he's very analytical he'll put you he puts people in the outfield one day and then that second base the next day you might play three positions in 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 a week but uh he he switches his lineup pretty much daily and that's something that I want to see if David Ross continues to do or he plays a more traditional let's keep most of the people in most of the days um and then there's one guy I love to talk about is Theo Epstein. I know he made a – lately he's not made the greatest of trades, most notably the Jose Quintana trade when he traded Eloy Jimenez and a couple other guys, but Eloy headlined the package for Quintana. Eloy looks like he's going to be a stud. Quintana's been a very big disappointment since they got him. But, I mean, this guy's won a World Series. He, he took the Chicago Cubs, who haven't won the World Series since the dawn of time, got them a World Series. He did the same with the, the Red Sox. So – uh, one or two bad moves from him, you can replay that. But he's also going to be a possible. Um, he's going to be his contract runs up in 2022 with the main core that I mentioned. So he might not be on this team anymore either. So there is so much off the field that is going to come into play here. Um, I, I just it's good. It's something that's interesting. So if they stay the same, I really like their chances in this in this division. If they don't. It's going to be wide open, and it's probably going to be it's going to be really good for the Reds and, and Cardinals and even Brewers. Uh, do you? Ha- I want to know what do you think the um, the Cubs might do? Do you think they'll trade anybody, or and if they do, who do you think is the most likely to be traded? I I definitely expect them to at least explore options. Um, it's tough. You want to imagine that they want to try to keep that that nucleus of Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo together just because they are those franchise type players. They've been franchise faces for them for several years now. Uh, you know, if you walk into Wrigley Field, Sonny, I'm sure when you were there, that was probably the majority of the jerseys. Um, oh, I, that's, I haven't been there in uh, like I was there before Bryant came up. Oh, OK. Yeah, so when you, they were still terrible. <laughs> Well, hey, I'm going to I'm going to we're going to do a name drop right now of one of the only professional athletes I've ever got to play against was a cub. And um, I don't know if you remember him, Santino. He uh, he played for the town over from us uh, in Brantford, Connecticut. His name was Mike Olt. Oh, I remember Olt. Yeah. So he was the third baseman who he was actually having a, a somewhat decent career. I'm not going to say he was great or anything, but he was he was playing well. Uh, and, uh, you know, lots of, all of a sudden this big franchise, uh, prospect is coming up. So yeah, buddy, your job's gone at third. And then Chris Bryant yep. took over. So a uh, little fun fact, uh, I was a freshman. I think he was like a junior or senior. I wasn't even in the game, but I got to watch. So <laughs> that was fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I would expect maybe like you touched on Chris Bryant. He's definitely going to want to get paid. He's young. He's got loads of potential. Uh, a couple of, you know, down seasons, I guess you can even say, and they weren't even necessarily down seasons. You know, you could talk about his home run total, uh, you know, but we, we touch on this often, Santino. We always talk about Chris Bryant off air, and a lot of it's due to I, what we think is um, his shoulder injury. I mean, bottom line, uh, that affects launch angle, that affects power, that affects everything else uh, to do with the swing. So there's definitely potential for a bounce back. If he comes and puts out one of those fantastic seasons again, if he comes out here and hits 40 home runs or 35, 38 home runs this season, uh, bats, you know, 280, something like, you know, puts together a fantastic. Yeah. Why not go see how much you're going to get paid? Because with all these other guys there, you touched on it, a lot of free agents, a lot of guys that have to get paid. It's going to be tough for them to throw the book at just Bryant and just Rizzo. They, I mean, Baez uh, is another guy that looks like he's a cornerstone piece as well. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Brian, I mentioned he's probably 
my favorite player in the game right now, but uh, this dude can do everything. And I, people have been saying he had down years, but let's just go through his years. He's had he played five years in the league. First year, rookie of the year, All Star, top 12 in MVP voting, and he didn't even play a full season. Uh, second year, he won the MVP. He was another All Star. He had 39 home runs that year. Broke onto the scene. Uh, they won the World Series, and then the year after that, they got pretty far in the playoffs again. Um, was a top 10 in the MVP voting. He didn't hit 30 home runs. He hit 29. He didn't. He only had 73 RBIs, so it looked like a down year. But he had the highest batting average of his career. He had the highest OBP of his career, and his OPS was the highest of his career. So just because he didn't hit those 30 home runs or 100 RBIs doesn't mean he was a bad player. He was still top 10 in the league. Let me let me ask you real quick. I don't want to cut you off. How, um, where were his doubles at that season compared to his other seasons? Were, were you, was that the problem? Were we just seeing a lot of doubles, a lot of just bad luck perhaps, where he's just hitting gaps instead of hitting them over the fence? It was pretty much the same, uh, I believe. Yeah, he had three more doubles that year than his uh, MVP year. But, I mean, he was still getting on base at, a, at over 400%. He had – the highest OPS of his career. So it wasn't like he, and his slugging percentage was similar. Um, just he wasn't getting as many RBIs just because the RBIs are not only a, your factor, it's the rest of the lineup. They have to be on base for you when you get your hits. Uh, but then 2018 is when people started saying he's a bust because he was on track to have the best season of his career in the first month and a half. And then you mentioned it, the shoulder injuries came. He got hurt. He missed some time. Not too much time. I think he missed about 60 games that year, but he missed a large chunk of time. And then when he came back, he just wasn't the same player. You could see it. It, it was the swing. When you hurt your shoulder, he just came back a little too early, and he was playing hurt. So obviously his numbers dropped. Uh, he Even if he played a full season, it was probably gonna, it was going to be the worst season of his career numbers-wise. But it was partly due – it was mainly due to that injury, not partly. Uh, and, and that's why he fell off like that. But then last year he came back. He was still – had that shoulder history. Um, he wasn't fully healed, but he, he played really great. He hit over 30 home runs again. He was an all-star. Um, he had an OPS plus similar to his MVP season, just a little lower. He had an, an OPS over 900. He was really good again, um, but he wasn't fully healed over that shoulder injury. This year, I expect him to jump right back into that MVP conversation as long as he stays healthy. I think a year and a half of um, rehab and rest and just getting over that initial injury and he got his swing back. I think he's he's going to be a great player, and I'm targeting him a lot in DFS, especially when the pitching matchup is right. So he's a guy I'm, I'm just definitely touching. But, again, he's, he's a possible trade target if this team starts off slow because he – is going to test free agency. He's made it pretty known that he's going to test free agency. Um, that doesn't mean he won't come back to the Cubs, but if he doesn't come back to the Cubs, you might lose your franchise player for nothing. So he's a pos- if this team starts bad, he's a name that's going to be thrown around in rumors all season. He did. He was there was rumors thrown around in this winter, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think he can bring – if, if they do move Chris Bryant, what would you expect to be in return? Anytime we generally see a, a top – player uh, of his caliber get traded generally involves it going for a, a, another top quality arm or a top quality prospect or somewhere falling in between a couple prospects with a nice really good arm or something like that so what do you think that they'd be in the market for i mean if they're off to a slow start maybe they just select a couple of these young guys they sign long term do they start looking at a rebuild this early uh start trying to take on some prospects or do they go for you know the potentially the ace caliber arm that they can get for them they got to get an arm. Uh, this team, 
Uh, well, I'll touch on it in a, in a few minutes, but this team's biggest weakness is their bullpen and is their um, rotation. They need they need arms, and if they're going to trade a guy like this, I would hope for a king's ransom. But um, he could potentially leave whoever he goes to, so whoever's trading for him will know that. Maybe they don't give him as much, but you you'd probably expect what like a, a Giancarlo Stanton package back or something of that nature. It's got to be pretty big, and you, they have to start with the arms. They have a, If they keep most of their core nucleus, their lineup is set, but they just need some more arms. And I, I guess we could – oh, no, you were, did you want to touch on something? <clears throat> no, no, I was going to say I completely agree with you right there. It's uh, Especially when you talk about guys like ace caliber or arms, there's only one way to get them, and that's guys of this magnitude and this caliber. I mean – uh, you know, you, you talk about some of the some of the best arms that have been traded in the game, and you look at some of the you know the prospects that are coming back end up being elite prospects. Uh, not always. Sometimes they don't pan out, or it's going to involve uh, or it's going to involve one of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we can transition right into their lineup. This is one of the few lineups that I really like. Pretty much everyone in it, um, on a, depending on the day and depending on who's who they're going up against. We mentioned Chris Bryant. I assume he's going to lead off. Uh, maybe people don't hear this and say, oh, wow, you're, why would you put your best hitter leading off? But look at their options. They haven't had a leadoff hitter since Dexter Fowler left. They've tried Kyle Schwarber, didn't pan out. They tried Rizzo a few times, didn't pan out. They tried um, – they put Hayward for a few times, didn't pan out. Ian Happ's still there. He's just not an on-base guy. The, on, the only logical guy is Chris Bryant. Possibly their newcomer, Jason Kipnis, who I'll touch in a second, if he can show that he's not um, falling off a cliff anymore and he's, he can still play baseball. And another newcomer they brought in is Steven Souza. If he takes a job, he could possibly lead off because they don't have a prototypical leadoff hitter. But Chris Bryant is one of the best base runners in the league. He doesn't steal bases, but he gets on at a high clip and he's very intelligent on the base pass. There's very few people out there who know when who can go from first to third like he can and when when and know when they should do that. Um, he's he just or he's not super fast, but he's super quick and he's very intelligent on the base pass. So he would make a really good leadoff hitter. It would probably it would definitely hurt his RBI chances. But uh, George Springer is a, a power hitter who leads off, and it hasn't crushed him totally in the RBI total. So there are some potential there for Chris Bryant still to get about 80 to 80 plus RBIs. Um, number two, I'm gonna again this team. Chris Bryant's probably their best option at number two, but if he has to lead off, I'm going to say Anthony Rizzo is going to bat number two for the most part of this thing. Another guy who's probably in the meat of the order, but this team is built on multiple guys who could bat three, four, five. So uh, they're probably going to have to put Bryant Rizzo one, two, another guy who gets on base at an elite clip about 390 for his career. He's had a couple down years. Uh, he, has, he hasn't hit 30 home runs in the last two years, but his RBIs are still close to 100. He didn't get 100 RBIs last year. Hopefully that's not a sign of things to come. But I think um, if he's batting two in front of Baez, Schwarber, and whatnot, he's going to see a pretty good amount of pitches. And I think he'll get back. I think he gets back to that 30 home run plateau. Um, maybe not 100 RBIs because the, the pitcher is going to bat ninth, but he'll be in the 90s to 100. He, I mean, he does it every year. Number three, Javier Baez. He has to bat three. He can steal some bases, but he's not a leadoff hitter. This dude does not get on base. He's a he's the, as free swinging as free swinging can come. Um, his OBP is pretty much a really a pretty solid batting average, but he hits for power. Uh, he's the, the one of the one of if not the best defensive shortstops in the league. This guy's a highlight reel defensive wizard, but he just doesn't get on base enough. 
to not bat anywhere else other than third or fourth. But his power makes him a legit cleanup hitter, uh, number three hitter. So those three I'm definitely targeting on the right matchup. They're fantastic. Um, you can, obviously, they're all all-stars. Um, they're all elite caliber players at their positions and in the league. So those are obvious, but they're going to be expensive. When, when they're that obvious, they're expensive. Um, four hitter, got to be Kyle Schwarber. This dude just had a finally had his big breakout year. He had 38 home runs last year. Awesome. I've been waiting for that for a while. Ever since uh, he hit 30 the year he came back before he got hurt or after he got hurt. But uh, he improved a little bit on, on lefties. He got on base a lot more against lefties, or his power improved against lefties. That was a big thing that Joe Madden always took him out of games, always defensive late or late defensive switch because he's not the most agile. But he did lose some weight last year, and it helped. He he played he stayed in the games for longer um, periods of time. He wasn't always a defensive liability, and um, he he improved his power against lefties. I'm Curious to see if that's going to continue or if he's going to have to go to the bench for uh, when, whenever they face a, a really good lefty because they do have options now. I mentioned they brought in Steven Souza. He's a pretty good ball player when he's when he's on the field. And they have Alberto Almora, who's not who probably isn't going to start, but he's also a pretty good ball player and he's a really good defender. So that's something interesting to see Schwarber. If he's facing a lefty, I'm going to fade him in DFS just because I know I just mentioned that he he got better. His, his power and his slugging got better against lefties, but I'm still not going to start him against the lefty. But a righty, this dude can this dude can mash the ball, and uh, he's just really fun to watch. So anytime there's a, a righty and he's, he's not a good pitcher, easy target for me, especially he's going to bat behind Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. I mean, that's just RBI central right there. Um, fifth in the lineup, Wilson Contreras. And if you, if you haven't noticed by now, the five people I touched on on the core are number one through five in this lineup. It just makes sense. Um, Wilson Contreras got hurt in 2018 with Bryant and most of the team, and that's why they struggled. But he had a big bounce back season this year, and he proved that he is still a top five catcher in this league. People were doubting that, but he's definitely a very good – he's very good um, – offensively uh, there's very few that can match him especially at the catcher position i know about 60 something rbis 70 rbis doesn't seem great but but the way that catchers are playing this year or, or lately and the stats that they're putting up i mean that's that's like great for a catcher these days we'll if you take get, that yeah right if you can get 50 to 60 rbis from a catcher you're awesome uh in this top, today's top five age. catcher in the league most oh, likely yeah, without a doubt and he calls a great game and he's one of the best uh he's one of the hardest catchers to steal a guy on so i mean he does it all so i, I really like him and he's been a back he's been in the all-star game back-to-back -back years uh he did get i mentioned he got hurt in 2018 that was after the all-star game and that's when the team went from first to miss the playoffs but <clears throat> he's he's awesome there six is probably jason hayward i don't know if he's going to fully see everyday lineups because i know we touched upon this before jason hayward's just not good he's a really good fielder yes he has a fantastic arm he's always had it in his career but he's an offensive liability and he's been that way every year of his career last year was actually his second year ever hitting over 20 home runs so he showed that he got a little bit of pop left but he's when he's up to bat he's just not great he's not great against righties either uh they did bring it they did address a couple they do have Souza and Amora if he struggles so he's an option to get taken out of the lineup if he continues to struggle there's no more J Joe um, Madden so maybe David Ross doesn't have the same uh, like doesn't have the same compassion for him to keep him in the lineup if he's struggling but he is a great defender so he's going to find his way in there more often than not but he's not someone I'm targeting at all in DFS 
Um, number seven, seven and eight hitters are going to be tricky because right now I would say it's going to be Jason Kipnis, who I mentioned, if he shows he's pretty good, he could bat first. If he's if he has something left in the tank, he might be the prototypical leadoff hitter that they need. Uh, if he doesn't have anything in the tank, he might not even start, but he could bat. He's probably going to be the seventh starter or seventh hitter, and Ian Happ is the eighth hitter. Another guy who is very streaky and I like, but he's just too inconsistent to count on in DFS. Um, if the matchup is right, I'll take a chance on him, especially in a GPP. Because he does have power and he, he he can crush the ball, but he strikes out way too much for my liking to consistently count on him. Um, so those two guys are currently projected to start, but Jason Kipnis has a very short lease if he doesn't have anything left in the tank because they got their number one prospect in Nico right there nipping at his heels, if not ahead of him right now. Uh, one of those two guys is going to start at second base. I would say if Kipnis, like I said, if he has something left in the tank, I'm going to say they're they're going to give it to him, the veteran edge. But he his lease is very short, and Nico's right there. And Nico's a very good ball player. He has very good hit tool. Um, he's their best prospect. He's a good defender. If he gets to that seven spot, he's some guy I'm going to look at, but not actively target because you don't you wouldn't count on him to um, score a lot of runs with who who's going to bat behind him. But then Ian Happ, another guy who I just mentioned. If he doesn't show that he's, his streakiness is over, he was he was a top prospect a few years ago. He came up as a second baseman, but if he doesn't show that he's he he can get consistently good at bats and not just wasted at bats, he's gonna get benched for Steven Salzo or Almara, who's another guy who's very inconsistent. So it's it's ve- those those two guys I'm not touching, but I am interested if Steven Salzo gets an opportunity to start every day and he possibly could get number one spot. He's definitely a guy I'm looking at. Uh, he's going to be super cheap. And I keep mentioning his name because that's a guy who is under the radar, was very good a couple years ago, but injuries limited him. I would, I would look at him. Oh yeah. He had a, he had that gruesome injury. I believe it was on opening day or right in the middle of like towards the end of spring training uh, over in Arizona. Uh, I believe he was sliding into home base yeah. and like shredded his knee in every single way. ACL, MCL, PCL. I think he took all of them out. Uh, they were, it was even questionable if basically if he'd ever be able to kind of play again. Uh, really worked his way back, though. And I, I do have a lot of promise for him as well. Uh, I, I think you touched on that. And that's a that's a great call. Um, I think Sousa is going to be very prominent. I think he's going to find himself in this lineup as an everyday player at some point or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you touched on Nico, too. Um, I mean, yeah, if Hap, if Hap's struggling, I don't see why they wouldn't just, you know, the, the Cubs have been known to bring their prospects up. Uh, we've seen them do this uh, with Hap. We've seen them do it with Contreras. Uh, we've seen them even do it with some of their pitching in the past, too, where they're not afraid to bring these prospects up if they're winning. So that's going to be determining that, I think, a lot. Um, you know, if, if they're struggling, this is a wide-open division. We've touched on that several times. If they're struggling, if they're in third or fourth, uh, you know, a quarter through the season, halfway through the season. Now they're starting to entertain trading Chris Bryant. That's probably when you're going to see the scenario where Nico can find his way into the lineup, uh, you know, maybe four or five times a week. Yeah. I mean, if you were looking at the lineup, it's Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras. Those five are locked in. Hayward, Kipnis, Hap are currently penciled in, but they were in camp battles. And it's they have competent players behind them. Like we said, Nico, um, even David Bote could get some starts out there and Almora and Sousa. These guys are competent to come in and that's if they're not doing their job. Um, I'm a big David boat guy. Yeah. The boat, get on the boat. But uh, yeah, th- this lineup is top 10 in the league, hands down. 
if if this core stays, you, you can't really you don't have much better core than that. Um, those those top five hitters are fantastic. I do like Ian Happ's potential, but he's just got to stop striking out. He's he's wasting so many at bats, and if you're gonna, if, if you need to get on base if if you want to stay in this lineup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, All right. Anything else you think we should? Uh, I know that I know that this lineup fires you up. Um, anybody else that you can kind of see? We talked about Kipnis. Uh, I'll touch on him real fast. Um, I think there was nothing to lose when they brought him in. They got him for nothing. Uh, just see what you kind of have in him. If not, take a hike. We got your utility role player now, and we have three other guys yeah. that can play the same position. So um, I think you're absolutely right. I think you broke down the lineup absolutely perfectly. Um, just the top five is who we're trusting. Um, you know, you can look at the other guys as value options. You know, if Kipnis is starting, um, I don't know. I don't know if we'd end up seeing it. I think I think you're right. It's either gonna be Bryant or Rizzo in that leadoff spot. I know Rizzo didn't like playing uh, batting leadoff. I think He's, that was part of the issue. It's pretty much they're both the best hitters on the team, um, overall hitters, and one of them is gonna be on uh, one and two in my opinion. And Bryant is just the better base runner. He's the more intelligent base runner. He's quicker. He just makes a lot more sense to bat leadoff and then Rizzo behind him. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is what it is. They don't have a prototypical leadoff hitter, and they haven't no, had it right. since you're Stellar right. left. And that's one reason why they haven't been able to reach their their peak of the World Series a couple years ago. But, um, yeah, w- without that, I, Bryant's the best option right now. Um, another guy I know you mentioned he was on the Brewers is Hernan Perez. I'm not going to target him, but if they do trade Chris Bryant and they don't get any MLB-ready guys – He's probably he's gonna look at some some playing time possibly him or David Bote might take over at third base but they're all, again they're those are long shots that I'm not looking at till uh, August or whatnot. Yeah, he's a great super utility guy. He could play he could play a little bit of third. I've, I've there's been times he played second. He played outfield. Yeah. So a guy that they he could he could mix it up and find himself uh, you know around. And he was never you know excellent. He never eye popping numbers or anything. Uh, but he's definitely serviceable. He's um, a guy kind of, I would definitely like a lot more if joe madden was still coach because he's a guy who joe madden like would love oh, yeah. a guy who can play all over the field oh yeah that's his guy uh <laughs> I, you know that's 100 be a joe madden guy 100 uh, percent. all right all right man uh you want to you want to shift over to the pitching because i know you touched on this kind of being one of their weak points so what should we keep an eye out for um any new additions that got brought in any guys that are you expecting to take a leap uh why don't you take control of this man and so they don't they didn't bring in any new additions to the starting rotation the bullpen you mentioned it earlier uh they got jeff uh, jeffries he's probably he's going to be their setup man he's pretty good um we'll have to see if morrow is healthy enough to be another setup man or be uh like seventh inning man and then they got craig kimbrell who they signed midway through last season hoping he would qual uh help out that bad bullpen but this dude i felt it, it was pretty bad how he came in he had the worst year of his career last year I don't know if that's a sign of things to come. He might have been rusty sitting at home till July, but we don't fully know. Uh, he is a little older. He's in his mid-30s now, so maybe he's losing it, but we'll, we'll have to see. I'm not going to say one half a season this guy's done, um, but if he is, this team is in trouble because that bullpen is bad, and they desperately need him to be um, 85 to 90% of what he was when he was one of, one of, if not the best closer in baseball. Besides that, this bullpen is pretty uh, steer clear from them. But the rotation is another question mark. It's another reason why this team isn't projected to be a top contender for a, a championship. Um, you're going to start off with you Darvish. 
You Darvish is the ace on this team. They gave him a big contract, but he hasn't lived up to it quite fully when he since he came over to Chicago. And that's a running theme. I'll get in that in a minute. But um, first year he wasn't great, and then he got hurt. Last year he came back. First half of the season he was brutal to watch. Oh, eh, oof. we mentioned it with Corbin Burns, but you Darvish did it for an even longer term. Uh, walks, 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 walks. This dude has 18 pitches, but um, it seemed like he never picked the right one, and he always questioned himself on what to what to throw at, at each pitch, and he was just walking the world. The first 49 it, um, he walked 49 people in his first 97 innings in the first half of the season. 49 and 97 innings. That's insane. A- 18 starts, he had 49 walks. I'm going to say that one more time. 18 starts, the first half of the season, he had 49 walks. Uh, that just says right there, you, you're not going to go deep into games. You're going to crush a bullpen that's already very bad. And you, you need you need your ace to eat innings. If he's not eating innings, you're not going to win games. And then uh, he settled in in the second half. He threw. He, he decided to cut some of his pitches out. He, he got a new like slider thingy that he throws. I don't know. This, he, he makes up. He combined two of his pitches into one. I think it was a splitter. It was. Uh, it was. It was. And it's always hard to tell between like yeah. a slider and a splitter and any pitch that breaks that way. A lot of the times you could just ask the pitcher and that's what it is, but might not necessarily be the type of pitch that he's saying. Uh, but I think I, you're right. Once he added that, like, I think it was like a splitter or a slider to his arsenal. He was completely different. He became lights out. Yeah, and he stopped throwing so many of his different pitches and, and only focused on a few of them. And then, yeah, he was lights out. He had an, an ERA under three the second half. He only had seven walks in 81.2 innings in those in his second half 13 starts. So he went from 49 walks in 30, 97 innings where he was just brutalizing the whole bullpen, tiring everybody out, not giving any inning, innings, to seven in the second half. So those changes were huge, and it should, he – Went right back to the elite pitcher that he was before his injury, before he came to the Cubs and got injured. Um, he was he was right up there. His his K per nine and his strikeout stuff, his swinging strike stuff was right in line with his career throughout the whole year. But when he stopped giving up those walks, it was huge. But the only the one bad thing that he had was he struggled with home runs all year. He gave up 33 home runs and 31 starts. Not a good sign. Um, everything else was there except for the walks, but he did fix those. The strikeout or the home run battle, pretty much like Corbin Burns. It's funny. I, it, it, he just couldn't get over that. And uh, at, at the beginning in the first half of the season, it was biting him because he was doing giving up a lot of walks. And then those walks turned into runs because he was giving up home runs. But um, he quelled those walks. The home runs are still a problem. It, he was never known for giving up that many home runs in his career, so I think it was just an, an aberration. We'll see how that affects him, but he is 33 years old now. We'll see how he goes moving forward, but I, I'm pretty confident that he's not going to be um, a bad pitcher. I'm pretty confident that he's going to be a really good pitcher if that uh, top 15, he's an elite strikeout guy. He's a guy I'm targeting in DFS because of that. Even if he gives up a couple runs, he's going to get you a lot of strikeouts to make up for that. And I think he's going to – and now that he's not walking so many people, he's going to go six, seven, possibly eight innings because his bullpen is so bad. So he's a guy I'm definitely targeting. Next in the in the rotation, Kyle Hendricks, um, a guy who is one of the most reliable number two, three starters in the league. Career 314 ERA, career 112 whip, 353 FIP. Um, this guy does – one of the least harding, hardest throwers in the league, but he's shown throughout his career, just like Greg Maddox. Uh, he's obviously not Greg Maddox, but he's shown like Greg Maddox that you don't need to be a hard thrower to 
be a very good pitcher in this league uh, as long as you can location. If, if you've ever talked about real estate before, they say location, location, location. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is my real estate of the MLB because this dude locates pitches better than the majority of the league, almost everybody. Um, he knows what to throw and when to throw it and how to throw it and where to throw it. Uh, and he, he does his job fantastic. Anytime he's going up against anybody, I'm looking at him, especially the weaker lineups. He's just a very good value play. He's probably going to be nine, eight, eight thousand in the 8,000 range. Won't be one of the top three pitchers on the slate most likely. And that's even better for him because this guy eats innings and he executes. He, he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. There's just one thing in DFS that uh, you want, but you know, he's a reliable guy when he's out there. Number three in the rotation he hasn't panned out the way he meant he's has hoped or the team has hoped. I mentioned him before is Jose Quintana. Uh, since he's come over from the north or to the south blah, from the south side, uh, he's had almost a four FIP, and that's just not good. Uh, they gave up Eloy Jimenez, who was the number one prospect at the time. His ERA has been like four point two since he came over a, a very bad whip with over one three he's just not good uh, he's he hasn't hit 200 innings any year since he's been in the cubs he's a good number three four starter but he definitely needs to improve if his team wants to win games uh that no question about it he's a guy who i can target on sometimes or in dfs sometimes because he does have very good upside he was an all-star um a couple of years ago he was in the cy young race a couple of years ago but since he came over to the cubs he's just been in average at best pitcher and um, i'm only targeting him if he's playing like the pirates or somebody bad and then in the fourth and the fourth and fifth in the rotation is a very big question mark for me uh john lester 36 years old now had a very down year last year very down year the last couple years sands the first half of 2018 when he was pitching like wow uh he made an all-star team he was in the uh, cy young race he won 18 games that year he was on fire but the second half of that year he fell off a cliff and last year it was one of the worst career years of his career he's 36 now uh david ross i mentioned him earlier he's the new coach they were best friends he's david ross was a personal catcher for years until he retired um through multiple teams he followed him from boston to to chicago but uh, i don't know this might be the end for john lester he's 36 years old he hasn't pitched 200 innings in in three the last three years um and he just hasn't been good besides that one half a season in 2018. I hope it's not the end for him, but um, eight, eight, nobody beats age. There's only a few people in the history of time that beat age, and um, I don't know if John Lester is going to be one of them. But And then fifth is Tyler Chatwood. I kind of like Ch- Tyler Chatwood, but this dude is another guy who walk, 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 walk. Oof. Two years ago in 2018, I've never seen anybody walk as many people as he did in – such a short amount of time. I think he averaged almost a walk per inning, and it was or it was absolutely atrocious. Uh, last year he fixed it a little bit. He cut that in half, but that's still not that good. It's about four walks per per nine innings, which is terrible. But that just goes to show how bad he was in 2018. But another guy who has pretty good stuff. He he does get strikeouts. He just gotta not walk people. But um, if he doesn't eat innings. He's not going to last in this rotation. If he continues to walk people and goes three, four, three or four, five innings at best, he can't last in the rotation. And two people that I would see that could um, replace him quickly is Adbert Azaleo. He was a prospect they brought up last year. He didn't really have success when he was brought up, but he was young. Uh, he could get another chance if Chatwood or Lester 
shits the bed. Uh, and then Jarrell Cotton. He was a highly touted prospect from Oakland a couple years ago. He had Tommy John surgery. He hasn't gotten back yet, but he's a guy who has potential and could possibly slot into that fifth spot if Tyler Chatwood continues to walk people. I wouldn't, I'm not going to go out and target him either, but he's a guy um, who's going to who could be pretty good. But for I'm me, gonna, the, I'm going to give yeah. you your opportunity to say it now, Sonny, because I, I know this is one of your trademark phrases for one of our favorite movies. Uh, it involves Jarrell Cotton's name. This is your time to shine, man. What? You know, the no. back, back, back to you, Cotton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably hear Santino say bold that. strategy. Let's see, <laughs> Let's see if it plays out for him. A little quote from Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Um, yeah, I, like I'm going to jump in. I, I'm, I'm a big uh, as, as a little guy. Kind of, as a, I, I had him in our season-long se- uh, league last year, and uh, he did have good stuff when he was in the minors. So he's a guy I do think has some potential to, to find himself in this rotation one way or another. Yeah, I mean – he could easily find his way in the rotation. The The first three guys are locked in, even though I said Quintana's not doing good. But Lester and Chatwood are big question marks, especially Lester at this stage of his career, big question mark. Chatwood, you got to throw strikes to stay in this league. And if you can't, they'll find someone else to do it. So those two guys are, are question marks. As, as Leo has a chance to jump into the rotation, uh, they have some prospects, but they're not ready to come back, to come into the majors. They got They need another year or two. For me, though, the only pitchers I'm ever touching on this this staff confidently, you Darvish is pretty much one. Kyle Hendricks in the right matchup when I think he's he has strikeout potential too, and that's it. Maybe Jose Quintana because he does have some decent strikeout stuff in the right matchup, but I'm not actively looking for many of these guys. I'm with you. It's it's kind of hard to to rely on uh, Quintana at this stage in his career. Um, and you know, Darvish, yes, uh, 100%. He's that guy with that strikeout upside that we're looking for. We know he could, could go deep into a game, and we know he can get a win. Uh, Hendricks, you're, you're right. I think it's uh, you're really relying on strikeouts um, in, in the right matchup for him because he's not a, he's not a guy that's necessarily going out there and uh, averaging uh, you know eight or nine Ks a game or you know per per six or seven innings. Um, when but, you top out at 92 miles an hour, yeah. you don't get a lot of strikeouts. But. Nah. No, he but he's got the win upside as he's well. A really you, you good know, pitcher, yeah. There's not a lot of guys that you can feel confident going in that this guy's probably pitching six to seven innings, no matter what kind of outlook, outlook he has. Um, we've seen him stay in the games even when he gives up three runs early and stuff like that. It's just because they know he can work through it. The control is going to be there regardless. Um, and he's solid. He's solid. I think that's the definition of a guy that's just yep. rock solid. Rock solid guy, a guy you know you can throw in there, get six, seven innings for you anytime you need someone to eat innings, uh, and he's going to keep you in ball games. So he's a rock solid two, three starter. But again, for DFS, strikeouts go a long way, and he's unless it's the right matchup, a team that's free swinging, he's not a guy I want to actively target just because of that. But if there's no other options out there, and I know, ooh, I don't know if I don't like if if you're seeing guys who don't get a lot of strikeouts on his slate. I'm going to go with him because I know he's going to keep that team in the ball game, and that's an offense that if he only holds them to two runs or Hendricks holds the opponent to two runs, that's an offense that he should get a win on. So he's a guy I'm looking at, but it depends on the slate and the team. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you're noticing in this rotation or bullpen that you want to touch on before we uh, before we get out of here? Um. No, I mean the the bullpen sucks. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's there's three guys that can count on you. If Craig Cranbull is, if he's in the John Lester camp of, 
he's past his prime and he doesn't have it anymore, this team's going to struggle because they need somebody, anybody out there in that back of that bullpen to stabilize it. Uh, I hope I I'm gonna like I said I'm gonna say last year was an aberration. He was out for most of the year because no one wanted to pay that uh that draft price premium to sign him until that until like it was uh, her his signing wasn't associated with losing a draft pick. So I'm gonna say that's an aberration. But if he shows it again, uh, this team would be in trouble because you can't really you can't rely on Lester Chatwood and sometimes Quintana to go deep in games. And if your bullpen sucks, you're just you're gonna have to try and out hit them, and it you can't win like that consistently. Absolutely not. I'm with you. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they make a move at some point and bring somebody else in here. Uh, even if Kimbrel is where Kimbrel's supposed to be, uh, they can use another setup guy. They can use another guy yeah. that they can just go to on off days of Kimbrel. They can't pitch Kimbrel every day of the week, so they definitely do need to, uh, need somebody else. Um, I mean, I Brandon can see Morrow Jeff would be good, but he he's also an injury. He's pretty much Brett Anderson. The guy gets hurt every year. And yeah. He's currently rehabbing from injury now, so. Uh, he's very hard to rely on, but if he's healthy, he's a he's a really good guy to get back in the road, uh, bullpen. But yeah, they need someone like you said, definitely. I could see Jeffries taking a couple close closing opportunities uh, on off days where if they can't pitch Kimbrel, um, he was a decent decent closer over there when he was in Milwaukee. Uh, better setup guy though. All right, yeah. man. I think that's uh, I think that's it for us. Broke down the Brewers, broke down the Cubs pretty well. Touched on their pitching. Uh, touched on contracts, touched on a lot of useful information. I think that will help people uh, heading into DFS and probably even their season-long leagues as well. So, <clears throat> again, if you guys have a quick second, uh, we do appreciate it if you give us a rate and review. Subscribe. You can find us in this podcast pretty much everywhere. Uh, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. Uh, we are everywhere. So it does mean a lot to us when we see that kind of feedback and when we get to see that uh, you know that you guys are listening. So we do appreciate that. And if you can give us a nice follow on Twitter, you can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find uh, Santino at Santino Cacone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. And uh, yeah, give, I, I know I got it. I, I do. I needed a round of applause. I got I think I did it right on the last one. It was uh, it was like three, three in a row before that that I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> So, but we're, we're, we're getting there. We're in there. I like it. Uh, and then, you know, guys, come join us. Come join our Discord right now. Um, as you guys have probably heard, uh, we are freezing memberships right now. But please come check out the Discord. Join us. We're, we got contests going on over there. I believe we're starting up the new DFS Coach Talk Challenge. Uh, and it's going to be a good time. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, we have some baseball ones. We got some basketball ones. Even when they throw a random football simulation slate, we'll try to even get one up in there as well. Uh, and it's just a way to kind of keep yourself sane right now. I'll just join a bunch of guys that are just talking some sports, playing some games, uh, you know, chit chat, and even taking some jabs here and there, as you guys have probably heard on our shows plenty of times. Jabs are pretty much necessary to work here. You got to be able to give a jab. You got to be able to take a jab. So that's all we have for you. I don't know, Santino. Do you want to take us home? Do you want to, anything else you'd like to say before we bounce? Um, I guess we did Cubs today. If you want to bounce on the on the seventh inning stretch, that's fine with me. If not, <laughs> if you want to sing, taking me out to the ball game, that's that's the only Cub thing I could think of right now. some peanuts. All right, we'll get out of here. <laughs> Thanks yeah, you. Thank right. you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, uh, and I probably I probably should have prefaced this and and been ready for it. Uh, but we'll be still breaking down two teams tomorrow. And it looks like it's going to be Andrew on doing the Marlins with Brett taking on the Phillies. So uh, a couple of teams that are a little interesting. 
Uh, I'd be a little bit upset if I had the Marlins in this situation. <laughs> Not a fun team. But the, in, in every sport, there's always a little aspect that we could take out of there and a few few little nuggets that we'll be focusing on with the Marlins, I'm sure. A couple guys I have a little bit of excitement for. But that's all we have for you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care, guys. Stay safe and healthy and uh, stay inside.